This Westwards mini masterclass is a production of Westwards, the Western Sydney Literature Organisation. For more information on Westwards and what we do, please go to westwards.com.au. Hello and welcome to today's mini masterclass with me, James Roy. I am Program Manager at Westwards and today I'm very pleased to be talking with Karen Florence, who is... Now, Karen, you're on staff at University of Canberra. What's your exact I have title? been on staff. I am now an adjunct assistant professor. Adjunct. Which is a really sexy way of saying, you know, you can have all the privileges of being at a uni without all the pain and tears. So, oh, okay. um, I right. do occasional guest classes. Right. I do research for them. Um, I get on with my own creative stuff and luckily I'm an adjunct in the Centre for Creative and Cultural Research so it works really well for me. Yeah. Right, okay. Mm. Now, the the way we came to meet was, it's a, it's a funny kind of little side story. Um, Melinda Smith, who any listeners in the past will have come across when we, she was in the Daffodil Cottage up here in, in the Blue Mountains with Helen Thurlow. And she left some boots behind at the Daffodil Cottage and we finally tracked them down and she said, oh, my friend Karen is going to be up at, um, up at a house in Katoomba, so maybe you can drop it around there. So I came around and it's not your house, is it? No, it's not my house. I, so tell um, us about this house out in, the, out, near the, out in the boonies of North Katoomba. Yeah, it's definitely sort of boonie area. Um, this house used to belong to the Ways Goose Press who some of you may know, some of you may not know. It was Mike Hudson and Yadwiga Jarvis, and they were very special people. They, not many people saw them in daytime. They were nocturnal for most of their working life. They were here for about 35 years in this house. They bought the whole block, 20-acre block, because there's an amazing shed at the bottom of the block that they used for their studio. And they had a number of presses and lots and lots of letterpress type. And for 35 years, they worked all night and slept all day and produced amazing books. They're much more famous overseas than they are in Australia. And as a fellow letterpress printer, I, um, and being younger than them, they made me their executor and then they both died last year. So here I, here I am sorting everything and hopefully meaningfully. Right, so when I came up here yesterday, you know, I got a, had a half an hour or so looking at some of the amazing library that they, yeah. which is sort of you know, finding its way into various different uh, different Places. nooks of the world but um i wanted to talk to you about the the letterpress thing because mm. i i made the mistake of asking you whether you're a printmaker and i think you kind of i mean technically i am a printmaker. Very, yeah, but you, yeah. You seem, it seemed very polite the way you corrected me so mm. tell me talk about letterpress what does that mean so i'm not a terribly i'm not an image maker i mean i do make images but I don't tend to spend a lot of my creative energy on images. I prefer to find them or do really quick ones, or I'll invite someone to work with me with images. So what I do is work with movable type, which is the stuff that Gutenberg um, created, invented. Um, and also, I, um, at the same time, on the other side of the world, King Sejong in Korea also invented movable type at the same time as Gutenberg. So east-west. Was it just, just it was, coincidentally? It was. They did it it at was the just time. the time for it to happen, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I, it's one of those strange pastimes that is incredibly time-consuming and heavy and hard to move. I've moved my letterpress studio probably five times in the last ten years, which is backbreaking. and now it's all in storage. And now I've got this studio, which I'm about to put in storage and then 
build a studio elsewhere and start up again. Um, while I've still got working years in me. <laughs> I mean, is it, do you find it meditative? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I'm slightly on the ADHD spectrum. So um, if I can, I'll, I'll, tr- I'll jump between 20 things in a day, but if I get absorbed in my letterpress, I'm there all day. Because meditative doesn't have to be just, you know, drawing with a with no. an ink pen or, or whatever, or it can be blacksmithing or it can be letterpressing. Letter exactly. Or it's, it's absolutely about... Um, getting absorbed and um the best thing i've well okay so i came to art via reading so i was a big reader in my childhood years big reader in my 20s i did a a degree at anu in australian literature and classics and then i I got a job with the academy of humanities with all the professors and things there and then i got sucked into a, a big project about um australian literature and um, Academy Editions of Australian Literature. And through that, I met a letterpress printer. And um, I also, and I studied a course called um, Bibliography and Scholarship at, at, at uni. So we got sent to the art school to have a weekend workshop on what letterpress was. And so we all got to set a page of a little booklet. And I just, I imprinted on that like a baby duck. I mean, I just sort of went, oh, my God, what is this and how can I do this for the rest of my life? No pun intended, of course. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so <laughs> I um, – because my working name is Ampersand Duck, so that's – yeah. Right. Um, yeah, the duck thing follows me around. Um, but, yeah, so I actually – if I'd known that the local TAFE had, like, tr- trade letterpress classes, I probably would have gone there. But because I knew that the art school has it, I went for a whole year of night classes to get into art school to follow that letterpress. I wanted to be there the rest of my life in that room. And it took me, yeah, I got in on the first go, actually, um, probably because I cried in the interview and the, the teachers, the, the student who led me into the room said, as I came out, did you cry? And I said, yep. And she said, oh, you're in. So <laughs> I went through um, a workshop called the Graphic Investigations Workshop, which is pretty legendary these days. Um, and I ended up being the teacher in that workspace. Sh- and I, I, for 20 years, I taught artist books, letterpress, um, bookbinding. And then I did a PhD at, a- at UC in creative collaboration, um, a creative PhD. And I was teaching there too. So I ended up teaching, I don't know, um, graphic design, cultural heritage, um, um, creative writing, just little courses, you know, for people in these classes. So, and then COVID happened and I, mm. and this happened and here I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what do, you, what do you think it is about the sort of, you know, you know, we've got word processes now, right? Yes. Yeah, which I pr- love dearly. Printers and all those things. Yes. What is it about this that keeps it going as a thing is it a is it a relic kind of thing oh yeah that, that encourages people to do book binding that sort of thing when you can just go to office works and get someone to buy you know it what it them. is it's materiality it's the touch of the hand and it's that that dance Ooh, oh bird. i just get a whole of birds <laughs> off of my oh, that's all right sorry. the long beak gorillas they're, they're very forgiving they are beautiful they're just dinosaurs aren't they they're fantastic um so it's the touch of the hand and it's the interaction with the mind the eye and the hand and it's terribly satisfying it's like doing archery or something it's just if you love words and you love text it's just a beautiful way to create it and you can actually feel it on the page um yeah i i i mean it's really bad on my body i've got crappy feet and my hands hurt and my back hurts from years of lifting heavy lead you know every single letter is made of lead 
and or lead alloy alloy and um i have to you know drag these heavy type cases around you know out of drawers and in drawers and I'll show you before you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it's hard on your body. In fact, COVID was fantastic the first part of the first year because I was stuck on a computer all the time and my body um, recovered a bit. And then I got here and <laughs> went downhill again, but I still love it. I just love it. What, what do you think it is about our, our need to do this kind of... I mean, people buy guitars that are road-worn, you know, pre-relict. I remember I've, I've worked in a music shop for a few mm. years and I remember... Fender released a, a new amplifier that was road worn, and it was like ridiculous money. And it's like and yeah, it said, acid wash jeans. Every yeah. store, yeah, but it, it actually said, and I, it just made me laugh out loud when I saw it in the catalogue. It said every amplifier has its own virtual backstory. Uh. I don't want that job making up backstories oh, for amplifiers. Blurbs. Oh my God, yes. Blurbs. Yeah, right. but, but, you know, we... Hipster blurbs. That's what we all need to get jobs in. <laughs> Hipster right. blurbs. Hipster you heard it here first. But we, I mean, what is it? We, we kind of, people gravitate towards the, the, the non kind of, the non linear fonts on the on Canva, and they go. Yeah. They introduce scratching into their records, and, and yeah, they're all that trying stuff. to. They're trying What's to. That about? I don't know. They're trying to imitate a time of of materiality of of times when things get scuffed. You know, um, yeah. I mean, I I can walk out of that workshop with black all over my fingers, and I have to scrub it off with with a you know a, a um, you know scrubber. But it's deeply satisfying to actually just. I mean, it's filthy, and it's it does make. Uh, and the thing is, um, there's different, also different levels. Just like there's different levels of writing or different levels of, of art practice. There's different levels of letterpress output. So you've got the top end is, you know, um, there's all these amazing commercial presses in America and England who put out, you know, Alice in Wonderland and blah blah blah, all done with, you know, letterpress and beautiful binding and whatever, whatever. Um, and they, but they always choose books that they know are going to appear like Alice in Wonderland that's my biggest bugbear like I could I could tell you I throw a stone and hit someone who's printed Alice in Wonderland by by hand um, is it because it's out of copyright now is yeah it? it's out of copyright it's it's kooky it's well loved it's a children's book and an adult's book and you know it's just like the the fine presses the private presses who are up the top end they don't reproduce something unless it's saleable like they they do a labour of love, but it's actually something that's completely commercial. So why hasn't has anyone hit up J.K. Rowling and said, "Can we do a?" Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if they have. Yeah, mm. but then you've got people who make sort of private presses that are smaller, and I think the Wayscoose Press is a bit more. They're 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 not they're smaller. They they were independent, but they chose texts that really appeal to them. So when they started, when they came to Australia from England. Um, in the 80s, they got really. They thought what Australia would like, would need, is books about Australia. So they, they were doing like Henry Lawson and blah 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 and Bushrangers and whatever else, and realizing that that no one was going to buy stuff in Australia. No one knew what a private press was, so they ended up selling those sort of books overseas. And even then, they weren't getting a huge sort of turnover. They were selling pretty well. Slow and expensive, right? Slow and expensive, and it, yeah. And they charged. They did beautiful work. They, I, I think, they're some of the best stuff I've ever seen in Australia. And then they discovered visual poetry. They discovered, well, they actually discovered um, people like Pio and, and mm. you know, like the, what do you call that? Um, performance poetry. Yeah, right? like slam poetry, that sort of they thing. They were huge jazz nuts and they discovered performance poetry and they realised that performance poetry is very close to jazz. You know, it doesn't work well on the page. You have to make it visual. 
So they started, and they were incredible printmakers and letterpress people, right? So they did image and text. And so they started doing these amazing, huge, there was a, I mean, this is a long, thin house. You walked it. They made a book that was the entire length of the house as a concertina um, that was one of Pio's spoken word poems, you know. Um, and though they went down incredibly well. They sold very, very well because it was unique and it was different and it appealed to people who were into literature. Roughly who had speaking, money. what were you looking at to buy something like that? Oh, $5,000, $4,000, yeah, right. something like that. And, the, and, the and they were major, doing prints of like 10 or 20 or something. Yeah, ma- probably no more than 20. The, the major institutions sort of struggled to buy them, but they bought them. But overseas, they went gangbusters. Um, and so then you get then you get people who like the bottom of the spectrum is people who do well maybe I shouldn't call them bottom because someone might be listening um, is people who do you know letterpress these days because they like the, the they're graphic designers and they do it as a, a difference to like they're the ones who make beer coasters and wedding invitations oh my god I will never do a wedding invitation because people turn into bridezillas as soon as they think about a wedding they turn into complete idiots mm. so you know you see all those really mashed hard embossed wedding invitations yes. they kill presses but people still make them because the brides want them it's their special day <laughs> um yeah and so i'm in between all that and i do i do letterpress in a literary sense but also i do it in lots of ways like you saw yesterday my my latest print was a protest po- poster about scott morrison mm. Um, before that, I did one about Tony Abbott, and before that, I did one about John Howard. Um, <laughs> Where's your balance? <laughs> I know, gosh. Um, and you know, um, I also I make stickers. I make um, I make I have made private press books. I've made a book about Rosemary Dobson, uh, well, of Rosemary Dobson's poetry. I've made a Nan Macdonald poetry book. They're they're my high end sort of poetry books, and I do them because I love the poems. No one knows who Nan Macdonald is these days. She's a Wollongong poet from the 40s and 50s, died in the 70s. Um, but I loved her poems, so I did them with a local um, artist in Canberra, Jan Brown, and we made a beautiful book together, um, which sold okay. Um, so I think yesterday when I spoke to you, we were talking about, you know, in the previous podcast, mm. um, I was talking about Dave up here at the cafe who thinks he's about to purchase a... a, a a vinyl laid so we can yes yes I can do and cut. that that has to be cut those records have to be cut in real time yeah. so and like, that's a novel that's a real novelty thing people love the old technology i think i, I think i quoted it with slow the slow food movement it's a bit yeah. like that isn't it i think i think my plan after this is because i've now got two sets of letterpress i've got three presses and like i don't know 30 cabinets of type i bought a house in bega and i'm going to set up a studio there and i think that'll be quite a local novelty and um, I'm hoping I can do workshops for people and or just take on jobs like get back into it full time ish. But I mean, I also make zines. I also make digital books. Um, I've got a blog that I had for years. You know, like I'm not anti technology. I quite mm-hmm. like trying everything that comes along. It's just that letterpress has a very special place in my heart. It's. Yeah. I remember reading. You would. I'm sure you would have read it. And anyone who's listening definitely should. If you're interested in creativity, mm. on writing by Stephen King, mm-hmm. and he talks about the. Uh, he had one of those spirit duplicators. Like, oh yeah. You know that was always my. That's fa- how you get high and do you, and write that your was, murder <laughs> mystery. Yeah, that, that, that was my favourite job when I was at school. Was being the going and doing the the duplicating because you know, yeah. put the kerosene in and off. Yeah, and you come out feeling Ker- no, very methyl, not high. kerosene. That's right. I know. Methylated spirits. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but um, 
what was the point I was going to make? The, the mm. po- point I was going to make was that, oh yeah, Stephen King. He he remembered. He says he he typed up a newsletter for the family and he he printed off four copies and sold them to his aunties and his mum for yep. for a quarter each. He said it was quite literally the first dollar he ever made in publishing. <laughs> But I know as a creative myself, even though I, I might have a, a box of books with, you know, a box with several hundred books or mm, whatever, mm. that's exciting as a publisher, as a writer when that arrives on your doorstep. Yes, yes. But I also kind of get this, I don't even know why it is, this real thrill when I make one of those little zines and fold it and hand it to Absolutely. someone. Absolutely. So what, what's zines that about? Are great. What do you think that's about? Uh, it's, it's, again, it's... It's the materiality. It's the hand and the and the paper and the the knowing you've made it. I mean, so when I, I so I did a PhD at UC. That's how I got you know. As I said, it was a creative PhD, and it was all about collaboration. And when I started, I thought to myself, okay, I could either be really cool about this, or I could just do my usual dorky whatever comes next sort of thing. And the coolness was like, do I create a shelf series? So if I want to collaborate with say five poets over four or five years. Do I make them fit into one style so that when I'm finished, there's this very cool shelf series, you know, all the books look the same size, maybe they're different colours, or do I make each book I make individual to that person? And, of course, I made them individual because they are individual people. So I worked with Sarah Rice, Melinda Smith, um, Angela Gardner, Owen Bullock, um, and I think there's someone else... Sorry if I've forgotten someone. Oh, um, they're going to be upset if they're listening. I know. But, you know, and we did some really cool stuff. I mean, Melinda and Angela and I on our separate projects, like the, me with Melinda and me with Angela, they, we did projects that took three years to happen and that we ended up with these huge letterpress printed books that are like, you know, A1. And then we also made a print copy that's just commercially done through Recent Work Press. So if you look at Recent Work Press and look up Ampersand Duck, you'll find the books I did with them that are, you know, $15 each. Whereas I had the $5,000 big, you know, three or four of those. And every time we sold one, we split the money. Yep. And and it was really fun because I, I've started using, instead of using letterpress as a means to print a book, which is totally defunct and, you know, you might as well just, you know, write a book and send it off to a you know, print yourself thing. I use meta- I use letterpress as a metaphor, and I use it for lots of different things. Like you know, the pressure of it, the messiness. I love the messiness. I don't want to print cleanly anymore. Um, I want it to sort of give you a to give you a, a metaphor, a physical metaphor. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you every print slightly different, perhaps. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, I can edition like no one else. I can print. I can print a hundred prints that won't look any different. I just did one for the National mm. Library to tip into a book about another letterpress printer. But well, that's getting meta, isn't ooh, it? <laughs> I know. And if they waited a year, I could have done it in his actual type, which is amazing. Um, but I just did a book in the last six months because my mother's got dementia, right? And I've made two books so far about her dementia. The first one was about music and the way music makes her, her mm. come to life. And the second one's called Disremembering. And it's all about her. That's one of the things she says she, if she... If she's um, she doesn't if she's asked a question she doesn't know the answer she says I disremember, and um, if someone goes you haven't done this Sandra and she goes I disremember I'm a good girl you know <laughs> I'm allowed, um, but what I did was I turned the letterpress the wood blocks the wood type upside down so that I was printing the backs of them and the backs make this because they're wood grain they make these lovely wave things so I've got these 
sort of blocks of, of you know you can tell that they're blocks they could and it was literally printmaking I'm, you know I was using the backs of the blocks because it's like knowledge turned on its head she's she's losing all that knowledge she's got heaps of knowledge but she's lost it all or losing it and so turning these blocks back to front and printing the backs of them was felt like a really good metaphor for how she's going through this because when you when you finished when you finish doing a page, obviously mm. you're you take that apart and reuse those blocks. Don't exactly. You? So it's a bit like a mandala in a sense that exactly it's done and that's it. That you can't revisit that in that form anymore. And also, you know, I've I see people, you know, printing off things on their printer, chucking in the bin, recycling, blah blah blah. But you're still using all the inks and the electricity. I've I've got type down there that have made masses of books in their life, and they'll make masses of books or prints or whatever in their future. It's the ultimate. Use it. Put it away. Look after it. It's going to use. You, it's going to carry on for another, you know, hundred years. Um, it's been alive for 150 years or something now, and it's it'll keep going. So it just feels really satisfying, you know, bringing it all together, printing a book, and then putting it all away, and it's got all that potential for another book. It's a bit like Lego. It's a lot like Lego, except you don't tend to step on it as much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do if you drop the pieces, but yeah. <laughs> Look, we're we're coming to the end of our time, but just yeah. very quickly, and we didn't even get onto this, but the mm. idea of collaboration that you. Do you do some of the writing yourself? I do sometimes, yeah. Which, which, do, you, which do you prefer to to take someone else's words and turn it into something mm. collaborative? And in the I guess the second part of that question is, is it like a picture book creation where the words are handed over and then they don't really get to see it until such time as it's been mm. quote marks illustrated? Yeah, um, I don't know. I. Or is it, a, is it a true collaboration through the whole process? It's a true collaboration through the whole process. Like, we come up with ideas together. I do do stuff by myself. I've actually got a commercial poetry book out um, through um, uh, Cordite Press. Um, oh, OK. You better give us the name of it. Uh, Lost in Case. And it's all about letterpress. And it has a lot of the things I've been talking about, like backwards letterpress. And um, and I've, I've talked about the... I've used... I've made drawings that follow the movement of my hand as I set a word and I've made a drawing to, to map the movement and so the word could be tracked. I've also given the, the map of what I was, you know, the, the map of the letters so that if you want to know what that word was you could actually go through and, and work it out but it's all it's all insults for women written by incels and the point is that I'm documenting these words in a way that you could work them out but why would you bother? They're nasty, you know. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cordite loved it. So if anybody it. listening doesn't know what an incel is, Google it. Yeah, <laughs> you'll understand. Yeah, maybe. yeah. So I mean, I I write. They don't deserve an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> I write texts. I make you know. I I play with other people's texts. I I write you know reviews for things. I'm really into the history of the books. I write reviews for the Bibliographic Society of New South Wales. And, yeah, you're a proper nerd, aren't you? And yeah, and proper, art, art proper, magazines and proper letterpress nerd. <laughs> but also, I mean, I write about I write reviews of art galleries, of art shows that have nothing to do with letterpress, but they're all to do with materiality. That's mm. why I realise I am so heavily into the hand, the eye, the object. But I don't, I don't fetishise them. I don't care if I've got you know the oldest bass. I actually bought myself a bass ukulele the other day with a Fender amp. It's brand new. Love it. <laughs> is it a Fender, a Fender um, Rumble? It is. Rumble 40? Rumble. Yes. Great, great amp. Great amp. And it's got all these settings so I can oh, like I'm not endorsed like by Fender. Yeah, yeah, but it was like, I can sound like a dirty old bass man. I can sound like this. I can sound like, I can sound like King Floyd if yeah, I want to with a ukulele. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
there was some, I was just going to say that when my wife and I were in in, in Japan um, a couple of years back, just before mm. the the dreaded sea thing came along, um, we went to one of the big museums in Tokyo. Mm. And there's one of these. It wasn't letterpressed, obviously. It was a it was a handwritten thing, but it was amazing. This amazing, great big long scroll. But right in the middle of it, the scribe had made a mistake. And he's actually crossed it out. Well, you're not going to start again. You're not going to start again, right? And he's scribbled it. <laughs> and it's, I suppose this is, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I've got an app on my iPad that is a, and on my computer called Winston, that is a typewriter app. Ooh. Can and it make it sound like a typewriter? It goes click, click, oh, click, click, ding, and all that stuff. Mm. But the cool thing about it is that if you make a mistake, you can't just scroll back to the middle <gasps> and adjust it. I'm going to show you in a minute when yeah. we get off here. Um, but uh, yeah, I, and I, I guess there's a. I have thought that if I ever do a PhD, that might be my my question is, you know, does do you, does writing poetry or whatever come out differently when you know that you're going to have to come back and redraft it rather than just uh, yeah. I think um well Owen Bullock wrote a mass of um like he got really into the 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 sort of way I do letterpress with overprinting and and you know tipping upside down or whatever else and he wrote a whole lot of haiku about that and we ended up turning that into a book and you know he's he got really excited about watching the process actually yeah yeah, yeah. if anyone wants to play with a virtual letterpress um there is an app out there called m like literally the letter m m letterpress and it's and okay. you can actually sort of is move. it like ipad or computer or yeah it's an ipady thing and you can you can put type on a press and you can make and, and print over it and, and overprint them and change colors it takes a bit of getting used to and as a letterpress printer it doesn't make sense in certain ways but for other people it might well i've been using the i've been using the typewriter app on my computer to do my daily journal lovely and then printing them off and once they're printed i delete them so i've, I've got an actual nice pile of pages with mistakes and all that <laughs> anyway um karen and florence it's been a real delight talking to you i've, I've really enjoyed our chat and um, I'm looking forward to seeing um, seeing some things now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I do have a website if anyone wants to see. Yes. What things. is it? Tell us. It's karenflorence.com, basically. So C A R E N Florence with an A. Yeah. Dot com. Dot com. And there's lots of letterpress stuff on it. Mm. And can we find you by looking for ampersand duck? Yes, you can. It'll take you there too. The actual ampersand. Uh, what do you spelled write? out? Oh, ampersand, ampersand duck with two D's. Ampersand duck. Cool. Yes. Nice. Yes. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. That's all right.